Hello, hello, and welcome, guys. Thank you for joining us today for Coffee, Talk, and Tea. I am one of your co-hosts, and Tricia Bray-Smith, here along with Tammy Bray-Wright and Brenda Kilhoffer here today. Ladies, how are you doing? Good. Good morning. How are you, Antricia? Oh, ready to dig Good in morning, today. Good morning, ladies. <laughs> Ready to dig in today. Today we're talking about domestic violence, breaking the silence. And we know that this can be a sensitive topic for uh, many of us. Many of us have been exposed in some way or another, whether directly or indirectly, mm -hmm. to the traumas, to the uh, you know, just a breakdown of the family as it relates to domestic violence. And so we want to break that down today. And um, we want we want to share some testimonials. We want to uh, share some stories with you and, and just some of our own experiences as well, as it may re relate to uh, domestic violence. I know many of us, you know, when we think about domestic violence, we think of it as being uh, just a physical thing. Right. So I want to uh, really look at all the dynamics of the violence uh, of domestic situations and bring it to the table here on the Coffee Talk and Tea Set today. So nonetheless, let's first uh, allow our other co-host to say hello to you. Brenda, go ahead and tell them uh, who you are and uh, your expertise or that you're bringing to the table today. And also then Tammy, uh, go ahead with your introduction. Hi, um, I am Brenda Kilhoffer and I, my expertise that I bring to the table is, you know what, I've just spent years now in personal development. I have had um, experience in um, past relationships and, um, even and, and even growing up, uh, 
And I actually spent some time as a teenager in a shelter home and was surrounded by others who had experienced violence in their homes. So, well, uh, and it looks different for everyone, to your point. Uh, it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist and it exists. It looks differently in um, different ways. And I, and I, I know for me, I just remember comparing a lot of it, uh, comparing, oh, well, what am I complaining about? Because I don't have it that bad. Uh, so I, I think um, as, as far as the expertise, I guess where I come from is the, the getting me, the, the what's my role, my taking responsibility. And that's a hard thing to do in a domestic violence situation because we tend to go into it as victim um, or there's a victim mentality when surrounded there. And, and there are areas where we can take responsibility. So for me, the expertise is on the, on the other side of it. How do we start to take responsibility for ourselves, our own safety, our own lives, um, despite what's going on and the steps to do that. And so that's where I can bring a unique perspective in. Hello, everybody. My name is Tammy Bray Wright, and I am a domestic abuse survivor. Also, when I was a young girl, I seen domestic violence in the home. So I experienced it, I experienced it there as well as a survivor. Now, remember when my case came up, Oklahoma had just passed a law that women could testify against their husband because there was a law that women could not testify against their husbands. I was one of the first women to testify against her husband, the first one in the county. Um, the local newspaper made it a big old deal. They said I was going to be a shero for uh, women out there in domestic violence cases. At the time, I did not understand that and that calling on my life. I did not understand that. And I just wanted to keep silent about it. And I wanted to keep quiet about it. But when I, after I started speaking out and my case came out in the paper and um, all that, other women started speaking out. And I got uh, some thank yous from women because they had to encourage the, they got the strength after seeing me do it to leave their situations for them and their kids. Yeah, that, 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 that's, this is going to be great. <laughs> Let me just say this. This is going to be great today. Uh, me, myself, you know, uh, I, I, had my first uh, experience with domestic violence or domestic abuse as a young child. And needless to say, you know, those are very impressionable years, very impressionable years. You know, when you get to thinking about uh, as young as being three and four years old and you still have those vivid memories playing back in your mind throughout the course of your life, you know, that is, um, you know, it doesn't go away. It, it really impacts every dynamic of our lives, ladies. And so we're, we're sitting here and yes, we're women at the table talking today, but 
young young boys and men, they're they are victims and they become victims and sometimes survive uh, domestic situations and some of them don't survive. Uh, these domestic situations. So today we want to look at the whole picture. What I really want to hone in now, uh, as we're getting started with this, is to uh, define what is domestic violence or domestic abuse. And why is it so important that we talk about it here on the Coffee Talk and Tea Set here today? Um, I, I think you you brought it up when you first said that violence doesn't always just look like physical abuse. Um, abuse is abuse. So I would say that if I had to really, truly kind of define domestic violence, I, I would say in our, our home is our domicile, right? That is supposed to be the safe, our safe place. You know, for our children, it should be a safe place for us to come home to, for our spouses, for everybody living in that domicile, it should be a safe place. And if there are things happening in between those living there that makes it feel unsafe, then it, it at the end of the day, it all gets lumped into domestic violence, whether it's sexual abuse, whether it's verbal abuse, whether it's you know, gaslighting, you know, any number of things, they all um, go together. I, I, I feel like, and you brought up, we need to recognize these young men that become abusers. And at the end of the day, again, that's where I say, let's responsibility at the end of the day, those of us that have been abused easily become abusers, whether it, it may not look like it looked for us, you know, if we were physically abused, it may not look, we may walk through our lives and say, hey, I'm never going to abuse somebody that way. I know how bad it hurt. And we may never do that. And the anger that we have built in may still have that effect on the people around us, whether it's a verbal outbursts, whether it's, you know, you know, whatever, whatever way we're making uh, that that others around us or are feeling unsafe. Does that, I, I don't know if, if you guys agree or not, but that's just kind of my off the top of my head feeling about yeah, it in general. You're absolutely right. I mean, because, you know, experiencing that for uh, years, you know, the violence that wasn't spoken of, that was hidden and still to this day is not spoken of. It really affected my life in a negative way. And one of the, uh, you know, the, the, the negative sides of it, or one of the, I, I don't even have words, but one of the most hard sides of, of experiencing that and seeing that is that the abuse went on in very, various different dynamics over years and years of my life. And so you look at from a young child, maybe two, three, four years old, all the way up to uh, young adulthood, still experiencing some form or another of abuse, and then there's silence. And yet this trauma continues to make decisions for my life. 
So when I look at my life from a young child over the course of many years, I'm 45 years old sitting on the set today. And just recently in the past uh, three or four years, have I really began to work through the process of my trauma. And so when you look at that, you see all various forms of abuse. But then as you age and you begin to look at the backstories of the generations in which you uh, come from, you see that the abuse has been there all alone. Nobody talks about it. Nobody uh, mentions it. It, it. It's secret. And therefore the cycle continues. And then as we're older adults and we talk and we connect to other women, we find that no matter who we are, no matter what type of family we came from, no matter what our socioeconomic background is, no matter where we are on the continent, this is an issue across all cultural barriers. And so my question is, where does it come from? What is it? What does it look like? And how do we break this cycle? Okay, the word domestic, that means the, the person that is running your household. So when we say, talk about domestic abuse or the, the, domestic violence, we talk about you being abused inside the home. And uh, Ms. Brenda made a point about how somebody that has been abused become abuser. At the time when I was uh, eight, nine years old and my dad would come home drunk and he would uh, jump on my mom, he would abuse my mom. Back in the 70s, women were taught to go to work with the black eyes. Nobody said nothing. There wasn't all these laws in place like we have now. You know, uh, if anything would happen, the brothers or the uncles or the family would come over and then jump on the dad for jumping on the mom. You know, it it was it was that kind of the good old boys. And and she made a point that the abuser, the one that's getting abused, become the abuser. And you're so true, because I can remember my dad coming in and jumping on my mom. And I remember the next morning me going in her room, he had went to work and me going in her room and I said, mom, I can't find my deodorant. And she was like, your deodorant? I just bought you deodorant. And I was like, yeah, I can't find it. So because she was angry and she had been abused, I got a whooping, a literally one that somebody needed to stop her hitting because she was angry at my dad and she couldn't defend herself on my dad. She took it out on me. I can remember her laying in the floor with a bloody lip, just bloody. And me thinking she was dead or something and me coming over and I'm like, mom, shaking her. Mom, are you all right? Mama, because I call her mama in our house. So we said, mama, 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 are you all right? Are you all right? And she's like, look at me and she said I'm fine and she slaps me and I'm a little girl and what this made me become was angry when I went to yeah. school when somebody yeah. would like 
bump into me. You go, go ahead. Tammy, I just want to stop you. And are you going to say something? Mm -hmm. I just want to okay. stop you for a minute, uh, just so you can take a deep breath. Um, and, and let me just say that I appreciate you sharing that. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. And then we'll hear again from Tammy. All right, guys, before we took a break, we were hearing from Tammy Bray Wright. She was sharing um, some, some of her first experiences as it relates to domestic violence. Also, let me just put a disclaimer here. Due to the sensitive nature of this topic, uh, as we're breaking the silence on domestic uh, violence, viewer discretion is advised. So if you have small children, uh, in the room watching this segment, make sure that uh, you are aware of the sensitive nature of this topic, which may also uh, involve triggers. You know, there may be some triggers uh, involved in this segment. So I'm going to yield the floor again to Tammy. Uh, you were sharing with us your experience as a young lady, finding your mother there on the floor with a uh, busted lip and limp on the floor and you're thinking that there's a situation going on and in uh, response to your concern or your support for her, uh, go ahead and pick up from that standpoint and share with us uh, how that impacted okay. you at that point. Okay, thank you, Ann. Okay, so I'm seeing her laying there bloody on the floor and I go over and I'm mama, mama, you're all right. You're all right. Shaking her. And she looks up at me and she slaps me. She can't defend herself from her abuser. But then she becomes the abuser when she slaps me. And so what it did, it made me angry. So like if I was at school and someone would just bump into me accidentally, I had my dukes up. Because when you get abused or been in an abused situation, if you can't fight your abuser, you're going to fight the one you can. And that's what I became. You know, everybody say, don't mess with her because she'll fight you if you mess with her, things of that. Because my attitude changed. And because of that, that I seen when I was younger, I always said that, hey, when I have kids, I'm not going to be in an abusive situation. And that made me put up a wall, a wall 
because I was like, hey, I see my mother go through this. I am not putting my kids through this and I am not going through that. This is not the 70s. And, you know, I got where, you know, if a guy said something or called me out of my name, hey, if you wanted to fight, I'm ready to fight with you. It made me very violent. Tammy, I can appreciate you sharing that. And I'm, I'm looking at even the dynamics of my life, you know, uh, even from a young child, seeing my uh, mother uh, being uh, physically uh, assaulted. Uh, not only that, but sometimes she may have been the aggressor. And knowing the dynamics of your family and my family, because we're so closely connected, we now know as adults that that was the environment that they were brought up in. You know, they had an alcoholic dad who was violent and violent toward uh, our grandmother. We share a grandmother and uh, he was violent toward her. Not only that, but he was violent toward the kids. He was sexually violent. He was physically violent. He was verbally violent. And so when you add all of those dynamics and you're bringing them to the table, whether we want to admit that it affects us or not, it really does. It, it affects what we're attracted to. It impacts, uh, you know, uh, our relationships, our ability to connect on an intimate level with our partners. And it impacts our relationships with our children. The cycle does not go away because we're silent. The cycle is not going away because uh, maybe we feel like we chose a different partner. Now, I want to address how the abuse now becomes the abuser because that was one of the things that I feared and I still fear. I just feel like I'm a little more disciplined in my behaviors now, but I still fear becoming that abuser. So I really have to be careful. As a young woman, being raped, being verbally assaulted, being uh, 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 physically uh, uh, assaulted and domesticated in, in some areas. You know, I feared having children. So that was one of the things that uh, I didn't rush into, you know, to, to have the babies and desire to have the baby, so to speak, because I always feared abusing my young. And it wasn't because my mother abused me. My mother was good to me. However, the things that I saw in the household, the things that I experienced in the household, the anger and the silence that ate away at me, the thoughts that I had, I knew that I was just a breath away from doing that very same thing and, and uh, having my children in that same type of environment as I was in. And I wasn't so much fearful of somebody else abusing them as so much me myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, 
I, I relate to so much of it. Um, you know, when, when I got into my first marriage, he was an alcoholic and, um, I was super fortunate, um, in that I was strong enough when he left, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave because I felt, um, and my grandmother had brought me up with religious beliefs that you got married, you got married for life. And so I was not, I was not going to leave. Uh, so I put up with the abuse, the drinking, the going out with other women, all of, all of those things. And, um, and when he left, I just said, look, you get help or you don't come back. And fortunately he just chose not to come back. Um, and, when I hear what his other children went through and even was on a phone call one time when he was very angry at me and could hear him screaming and hollering and, um, and, and abusing his current wife and her in the background. Um, and the way he gaslighted her, he said, you know, as far as she was concerned, I had, I had made him that way, that it was me leaving him that had made him the alcoholic. And I think that's one of the things that abusers do is they gaslight those around them to control them. They, they create, they, they make them believe it's their fault. So when we talk about how do we not do this, there's, there are a couple things I wrote down. Um, I had an opportunity and, and, and people may or may not, may not follow me or believe me on this, but I had an opportunity a while back to go to a Christian conference and one of the women that was speaking talked about um, in scripture, the word iniquities. And she said, you know, people tend not to understand what scripture means by that word iniquities. And she explained, she went on to explain that iniquities were the, the, the generational sin that's actually in the very fiber of our DNA. So it's not that, you know, and that's why I say somebody who maybe wasn't raised with the, the abusive family and could have maybe been adopted out still has and behaves the way their the original abuser, the their their parents did. And she and she mentioned her husband, who was a pastor and not abusive at all, but that he would get so angry and he would watch just watching like anything you know, a, a good war movie. And he always rooted for the bad guys um, and um, was just so into that violence and stuff that he'd see in those. And when his son did a, um, did a, a ancestry type thing, discovered that he had, that his ancestors had actually been, you know, frontline, um, fr frontline with, with uh, Hitler. Like they were his personal guard, you know, really involved in leading all of that violence. And it was like this kind of light bulb went on. And, and as she was talking, the light bulb went on for me because I had never, you know, my daughter was scared to death as a young child. I think she was maybe four or five at the time. She, as she was in school, she, every time I would leave to go out of town for business or anything, she would just... I mean, cry, cling to me, please don't leave, please don't leave mama. And of course I had grown up with, you know, ha having been abandoned, all of those things. And I couldn't understand why does my daughter, why is she so, so, so upset every time I leave? I've never done anything to hurt her. 
And this lady, I'll go on to say this lady had also explained, had also shared a story about a young girl in their church who kept waking up in the middle of the night with pain in her, in her female part, like pain. And she'd wake up screaming and her mom took her because her mom had been abused. Her mom took her to the doctors and said, has my daughter been abused? You know, no sign of any kind of um, abuse, sexual abuse or anything like that. But the screaming kept going on and it would happen at a certain time of night. And that time of night actually happened to be the exact same time that her mother had been abused by her father every single night. That little girl had no experience of that, but the point that this person made was that it was in the, the very fiber of her DNA. So it's a spiritual, you know, when we look at this, that that fear, that control, you know, and you may, you know, those that aren't, not, may not buy into this, but my experience was I just had this awareness that that's why Jalen's afraid I leave. That's That's that fear that's, already built into her, even though I haven't ever walked. I mean, that was something I in a, nothing. I, I'd never even so much as leave the house if we got into a fight, because, you know, when we are in those situations, it is fight or fight or flight. And in prior relationships, that was me like I give up. I'm out of here. I would flee. I would just get out for as long as I can. And I think, Tammy, you had even talked about you're not going home, your your flight, you know, avoiding it for as much as possible. And um. And I realized she's experiencing that fear because it's in her DNA, because that's what I lived with. And this pastor had said, just pray like we have authority over our children and to pray that authority over our children. And I did. And, you know, all night, you know, just praying that she be released from any spirit of fear related to you know, those iniquities that scripture talks about. And I, and my husband said like, I mean, I, I'd fall asleep. And my husband said, I was, you know, it was a rough night. And I was, I had some pretty freaky, scary dreams throughout the night. And I, I do remember a moment where that I released that fear. And you know what? And it was so crazy because a week later I went to drop her off at school and I was getting ready to leave for an entire weekend. And she got it out of the car. Bye mama. Have a great day. Yeah. Knowing that not not a single tear, it didn't phase her one bit. So I think that's one, you know, I, we often overlook the power of prayer in healing those iniquities and we don't know where they come from. Like if we can, you know, whether it's just whether we want to talk about it as DNA or we want to, you know, just know that, hey, there's some of that, you know, maybe we experienced stuff that we didn't see or we blocked out and it's just deep in our subconscious you know, there are areas that we have blind spots and we have no way to wrap our mind around. And so I think, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're somebody who believes in God, um, you know, pray, pray for release of that part of your life. And then that changes the way we affect others. Absolutely. We're going to go take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back.
Hello, everybody. We're here on the Coffee Talk and Tea Set talking about domestic violence and breaking the cycle. Viewer discretion is advised because of the sensitive nature of this topic. Uh, so Brenda was just sharing with us some of her experiences and how, um, you know, she believes that it is connected in our uh, DNA, right, yeah. Brenda? Uh, how we are genetically wired, uh, wired okay, yeah, uh, to uh, the predisposition of domestic violence. I want to make sure that I, I get this right. And she shared with us some of the spiritual aspects of how our children our, our children and even us i mean you know there we may not you know uh tammy mentioned just the anger you mentioned mm -hmm. the anger mm -hmm. you know and it's it, it's in the every fight you know there's if we've got to have a spiritual outlet or way to release that from within us because that mm -hmm. I, you know, fear and anger and all of those, those are energies, spiritual energies. They're Absolutely. not just, and if we don't find a way to release that, it comes out. You can't keep it, but you know, when you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Mm -hmm. So what's inside of you? So when we get squeezed, what's going to come out? If we, if we're not pouring in the hurt, the abuse, the fear with love and light, when we're squeezed, it's going to come out. It may not come out in the form of a physical abuse, but it could come out in the words we use. It could come out in, you know, for me, it's, I, I have like the shortest temper on the face of the planet mm -hmm. sometimes. And, you know, my kids, I, my, my son, Jacob, I can remember um, the kids asking, Hey, what's the, what's the, what, the, what scares you the most? And he's like, mom, you know, mom has never laid her hands on him, but he was afraid of that, you know, sudden, you know, burst of, you know, yelling, whether it, and it, and it didn't even have to be directed at them. It could be that I couldn't find something in the kitchen and I got frustrated and angry and started yelling, what'd you do with this? Where's this at? Gosh, darn it. Why can't you put anything away? And it, it's, and it doesn't sound like that. It sounds, I mean, I, it's embarrassing to admit. And I think a lot of us, I mean, I, I, I don't think I'm alone. I think many of us can relate. You're, you're definitely not alone. Let me, let me just say that now, you know, I didn't get the reputation that I've had over the past <laughs> 40 some odd years for, for being meek and mild. You know, I shared uh, on some of my platforms, how the smile you see now that took practice and work, I didn't even know how to smile. So uh, that protection, so to speak, that uh, barrier that we build up as a protection piece for uh, protecting ourselves because of the trauma that we have experienced. You know, it's, it's real. It shows up in our behaviors. It shows up in the, uh, uh, the things that we do, the relationships that we pursue. It shows up even on our jobs. We can never escape what we're dealing with inside. There's a root cause of why we have this anger. There's a root cause for the bitterness. There's a, a, a root 
for every dynamic of our life. It didn't just get there uh, by itself. It didn't just appear. And many times, that's why I like to look at generations. It's because there's a, there are generations of silence. And in order to break that cycle or that curse, as uh, some of us say it in our culture, to break that generational curse, we have to give it a voice because the silence is not going to do it. It's easy for me to say, well, I'm just not going to get in a situation like that. I don't want my kids involved in a situation like that and think that we pick a mate that's going to be something different. Broken people attract other broken people. And with that being said, if my work is undone, I'm attracting myself to other undone people, expecting some kind of magic formula to work to create this uh, Zen uh, household of, of peace and, 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 and harmony. And it just does not work that way. It, there's a saying, what you resist persists. Also, you always get what you focus on. And I think so often what we focus on is I don't want to do that to my kids. I don't want to put my kids through what I went through. I don't want this. That's what we're focused on. So to your point, that's exactly what we attract. We have to heal the wounds. We have to shine light on those wounds. We have to heal those wounds. And sometimes because they are so traumatic, to your point, triggers. They're so traumatic. We have to find them. We have to figure out what they are. We've got to root them out and find them. I mean, it was, I, because they don't always manifest themselves the way those triggers, the triggers come, but they don't always manifest themselves the same way that they manifested for us. Like I, I discovered that I would shut, literally shut down and self-sabotage almost everything in my life around a certain times of year. And then yeah, I realized that absolutely. they, that they were triggers to mm -hmm. events that had happened in my life. And until I, one could connect and recognize that and start to heal those wounds, they're going to show up again and again and again and again. And that's where I talk about us taking responsibility for it because we can't, the people that abused us, they can't, they can't take, and we can't expect them. Now we yeah. can pray for them. We can love them. We can recognize, you know, the, and that's the first part to healing is is, is I always try to picture that person as that, as that newborn innocent child, uh, visualize them as that. And, and, and then just ask what had to happen in their life for them mm -hmm. to become that and well, understand realizing that we didn't need their validation right and and we we have to get there in order to heal ourselves because like i said hurting people are going to hurt people and and really understanding that we don't need their validation to heal right. we don't we we know what happened to us we know the kind of situation that we were put in we know that we was helpless and uh, harmless in that situation we know that had we known better or had we been in a better place emotionally, spiritually, and physically, and not dependent on others and, and, and trying to keep everybody fulfilled and happy and things like we've been conditioned to do, we know that uh, we wouldn't just allow these things to happen. 
And, and, and so hurting people hurt people. Just know that in order for you to heal, you don't need the validation of your abuser. You don't. No. You just need to know that you matter. Give, give them, give yourself the grace that you've done the best you can up to this point with what you know. And make it a point to know and learn better to do better. And at the same time, just acknowledge that they did the best they could with what they knew. It doesn't mean that it was right or wrong, that it didn't hurt. You know, there's no judgment there, but just know that, you know what? They had things that contributed to that. I want to hear from Tammy because I know she's, I mean, she escaped. <laughs> um, it what sounds like a very abusive situation stood up for, for a lot of people, which that in and of itself took so much courage and bravery. So what? Um, yes. Um, before I go on, I want to address Anne said that um, it needs a voice. And I agree with that because I believe secrets gain power in the dark. I'll say that again. Secrets gain power in the dark. Because when my abuser abused me, it was December the 25th, 2002. My children were with their dad and, um, when we were talking about toxic relationships, I stated that my daughter told me one day, mom, you're not happy. And that's when I started thinking. And that's when I told him he had to go. So Christmas came around December the 25th, 2002. My kids went to stay with their dad for Christmas break. And I was in the home alone. And that's when my um, husband at the time, uh, he broke in and tied me up and stabbed me with a screwdriver. And it was hours, hours of torture. So after, you know, everything happened and went down and I, when I got away, I ran out the door just about naked and bloody. My sister was coming to pick me up from work and uh, he knew that she was not gonna leave unless I come to the door. So he told me if I ran, he was gonna kill me and my sister. He had already put a barrel behind the house to throw my body in that I didn't even know that was there. So after all that transpired and I got away, I didn't even know where the police station was. I've never been in trouble. My sister, we've never been in trouble. We moved to this town. And instead of taking me down to the city, we ended up at the county. And when I ran out the door and, and I was trying to open her car door and I was like, drive, drive, drive. And I jumped in and I was bloody. And she was like, what, what? And she put the car in reverse and we went back. Then we went forward. And when she took me to a police station and I ran in there and it was this lady, I'll never forget. It was this lady sitting back behind there and I was just bloody. And I had on this little piece, like a negligee thing, like, and no underwear, no nothing. And I was just bloody where I got stabbed with the screwdriver and everything. 
and my face had swollen because it had started earlier that night and this was the next day. And it almost looked like the elephant man face where I was tied up to the bed and he kept hitting me with his fist because he said that if I leave him, that nobody else would have me. He would kill me. So I went in, I ran in there and I thought that was the police station. And this lady was sitting behind the glass thing. And I put my hands up because I was just tired and exhausted. And I just fell. And when I looked up, I could see where my bloody fingerprints and everything, it was just smeared across that glass. And all I could say was help me. Now, my kids were gone. And yes, I went to the hospital and they did everything, the procedure to see, you know, if I was raped and all that. And I remember the nurse asking, uh, who did this to you? Her and the police, the sexual assault team was in there. And I told them, my husband. And they just kind of looked because, you know, I guess to them, and, and some people was like, well, how can her husband rape her? He her husband, you know? So after all that transpired and it was time for my kids to come home, it was the new year. And it was time for my kids to come home. I did not want them to know that this had happened because, you know, he was physically, he was, verbally abusive you know he was say like uh i won't pay the bills here and your lights will get cut off you know and my kids will hear that all this time but he had never actually got physical until that night after i had made him leave and he broke in and tied me up so i didn't want especially my daughter I didn't want her to know that. I, I tried, even though it was on the front page of the paper, when I seen it on the front page of the paper, I cried. And me and my pastor and my missionary president went down to the newspaper office. And I was like, why did y'all put this in the paper? My kids are home from their Christmas break. Why did you do this? got it all over the paper like this. And I was just crying and, and shaking and the women was running out the office and they was like, you're gonna help somebody. Do you know how many women are getting abused and they won't testify a tale against their husband? And I was like, why me? Why? Why? And I was just saying that and and my pastor was crying and my missionary sister was crying. And the owner of the newspaper came out and he said, young lady, we're praying for you. He said, but you just don't know. You're going to be a voice for many people. He said, I'm sorry. But anytime you go down and you have a trial or a case, that's public knowledge. We are allowed to print that. He said, when I read it, I felt for you. And I cried. And all the women in that office was crying. And they said, we pray for you. He said, I know you don't understand. He said, but you are a lucky one. You got away 
He said, it's so many that don't make it out. He said, you're, you made it out and you're not running away. You're standing up to this man that did that to you. They just passed this law. If they hadn't have passed this law, you wouldn't, you couldn't have testified. You cannot testify when your preliminary or your trial come up against this man. But I got it from the court that you are testifying against him. You're saying no more. And I, I said, y'all ruining my life. I said, go ahead. Uh, let, let's take a quick commercial break and uh, we'll be right back to wrap this segment up of domestic violence, breaking the silence. Hello, and we're here on the Coffee Talk and Tea Set today as we're addressing the topic of domestic violence and breaking the silence. Here, uh, you know, we've all shared some of our own experience uh, as it relates to domestic violence. I want to give Tammy Bray Wright an opportunity to uh, finish her statement that she was saying as she began to share um how she was able to get out, the steps she took, and the laws that changed on behalf of uh, domestic the violence victims here in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, and also, Brenda, we want you to come back in and uh, give us uh, some, some words of wisdom, as you always do. And we'll begin to wrap this segment of uh, Coffee Talk and Tea Up for today. Like I was saying uh, before we went to the break, that uh, secrets gain power in the dark because I did not want my children to know. And the newspaper office had put it. They didn't only put, you know, my story. They put what happened to me. And I didn't want my daughter to know. And it was on the front page of the paper. And I tried to hide it from him. But when that come out, you know, because I would like when she said that she talked to somebody and they asked, Mom, they asked me how you were doing. And I told them, fine. And I was like, OK, what else they say? You know, but after it come out and she found out there was a breather there because trying to hide it. I was like about to run myself raggedy and crazy, but. And it had power over me 
because I tried to hide it, hide this big secret. And I needed to let her know, and I needed to let my children know because I don't want them to go through this because my mom kept silent. My grandma kept silent. But I was the chosen one not to keep silent. And so when we went to the preliminary, they and I had to tell everything. You know, his lawyer was for him. My lawyer was for me. You know, his lawyer come up and he would ask me to tell what happened in detail. Here is my dad sitting here, my mom sitting here, and I have to tell all these sexual acts he made me perform on him. And my mom later head down in my dad's lap and my dad was there crying. So then they, they offered a plea bargain and they asked me, will I let him take it? And I was like, I don't understand because I didn't understand all that legal stuff. I've never been in trouble. I've never been to, uh, to court with nobody that had been in trouble. And I agreed that he have a plea bargain. So I didn't actually have to go to a trial. We went to the preliminary and testify. But he he went to prison. He went to jail and everything. And I agreed that he has, you know, had his punishment. But, you know, and I thank God. And uh, like Brenda said, she used to pray over her child. I used to go in at night and take my blessed oil and put a cross across my kid's forehead. Because I didn't want them to go through what I've been through or their children to go through what they've been through. I wanted to break that generational curse. And I used to put it on the door of their bedroom. My son, uh, funny story, he woke up one morning, morning, he come in my room. He said, Mama, you been in my room? I ain't been in your room. He said, well, how this get on my head? How this get on my head? <laughs> and so... You know, and I say to anybody out there, there are more laws in place. There are more shelters and different things to place. If you are in a domestic violence, you know, situation where your health or your life is in danger, seek help. And I'm going to let Brenda give us some words of wisdom. Tammy, I just want to say, one, you are so brave. You are such an inspiration. And, you know, while I can't relate to that level of violence, I can relate. And I think all women can relate on not wanting others to see those dark pieces of our lives, whether, you know, for me, I was a 13 year old girl and my dad's friend tried to take advantage of me and nothing happened. And I still could feel that humiliation day in and day out in the courtroom because they wanted to make it my fault <laughs> based on the clothing I was wearing, based on many, many things. And I think what I want to say and reach out and say to our audience is, you know, 
we all have these places of feeling unsafe, these, these hurts, these traumas. Um, we are all so much more alike than we think, you know, regardless of our color, our city, our race, our upbringing, our country, our state, culture, whatever, regardless of where we are, who we are, socioeconomic, you know, our, our, our socioeconomic standing, we are all so much more alike than we give one another credit for. And if you are hurting, um, whether it's physical, sexual, emotional, um, fear, if you are in a situation and, and, and I want to say not to get off topic, but we are all in a situation of fear right now. I mean, we are, we are surrounded by it with media, with what's going on in the world, fight or flight. And there are people, there are many of you out there right now that are probably in the most unsafe position you've ever been because you're not leaving your homes or those kids aren't going to school and there's nobody there to recognize or see. And that abuse may be worse than it's ever been. And so I just want to say, if you're in that place, there is a tribe of women out there that will lift and encourage you. You may not even know that tribe. They may not be in your life. But like Tammy said, the only way you're going to find them is to break the silence. Just take a moment to be vulnerable with somebody. Vulnerability is not a weakness. It is a strength. Take a moment to be vulnerable and trust someone else, even if it's a grocery store clerk, <laughs> you know, even if it's somebody you run into the mall and say, I need help. God is going to lead you to the person, to the right people. And there is a tribe that is there ready at arms to support you for us, even if it's for a season, maybe it's just one little hand up, but as long as we aren't shining the light, it persists for other women. And again, Tammy, thank you for being so brave and going through and sharing what you did. Because as you said, you know what? Your daughter knowing that you went through that is likely one of the things that will keep her from going through it herself. Absolutely. We thank you, ladies. You ladies are so brave and courageous for sharing here on the platform today. And I believe that uh, our voices here have been heard. Uh, and we know that our story may not necessarily be your story, but we all have a story. And we want to break the silence on the things that are impacting women not only in our lives, but throughout our nation, guys. We're all in this together. Uh, if you need help, you saw uh, below the bottom on the screen, uh, there's a website. I had it wrong at first, but I went back and corrected. It's the hotline.org, or you can call 800-799-SAFE. Again, that's the hotline.org, or call 800-799-SAFE. So if you don't have a community of people that you trust or that you know, or maybe you're just in a, a strange place and uh, you don't really know anybody, or don't really trust to reach out to somebody because, you know, 
truth be told, some of our abusers are in very influential positions of authority. And so reach out to that hotline. Uh, there's professionals there really uh, ready and prepared to help you and assist you. Uh, if you have a story or a topic that you'd like to hear here on the Coffee Talk and Tea Set, give us a uh, shout out through our email at coffeetalkt21 at gmail.com. Until next time, everybody, have a good day. <music>